believe it or not, Lent is just two weeks away. Are you ready to start eating fish sticks? <laughs> I mention that because Lent is a season, it's a penitential season, a season in which we're called to fast and abstain and to give alms. When we fast and abstain, they're part of practicing penance, to do penance, to do penance for ourselves and for the world, to make reparation for sin, a phrase we don't hear all that often, to do reparation for sin. And not just our own, but the sins of others. The goal of Lent is to get us ready for Good Friday so that when we come for adoration, veneration of the cross, that somehow we are more identified with the sacrifice we see there, have more a sense of what of the penance Jesus did. And, and we have to say, Jesus did penance. Now, did he do penance because he was sinful? No. It is the penance that's the reparation for sin. He did our penance, for us, and thus the forgiveness of sin. When Isaiah is writing this passage, as I said at the beginning, he and Nehemiah, the brand new governor that's been appointed by Cyrus to Jerusalem, Ezra, the high priest, they are engaged in trying to get the people to return to their traditional religious practices. And fasting has always been part of Judaism and Jewish practices. You know, back when they're called the Hebrews and then eventually the Jews, um, fasting had always been a part of it. Now, in Lent, we know about abstaining from meat on Fridays, but that's not fasting. We only have two days we're called to fast, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. When we think of fasting, we think of giving up food. But that practice we have of giving something up for Lent, that is actually fasting. We're giving something up. And anytime we give something up, it's part of a fast. So fast doesn't involve just food. But when we fast, you know, what do we do? Okay, we do our best to follow the church, which says we can have one regular meal on a fast day, and then just a little bit here or there, uh, or we can spread our one meal of the day out through the day. Uh, I know that, you know, I'm just one of those that if I go too long without eating, I'm going to get a migraine. And there's sometimes in the afternoons I realized I haven't eaten, not because I didn't necessarily have the time, I've just forgotten. It's amazing. Somebody like me could forget to eat. <laughs> but you get busy and, you know, and then, so when I really fast, pretty sure that by come around four o'clock, I'm going to have a migraine. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> but when we do fast, and it's challenging, maybe even a little painful, what's accomplished? Well, if we're doing it correctly, Part of what is accomplished is that we begin to identify a lot more with what happened on that cross. 
that we begin to realize what it is to sacrifice. Now, what do we do on our fasting day? We really don't give up the food. We just delay eating it. Whereas we hear from Isaiah, a true fast is not merely delaying eating. A true fast is to give up the food. So true fasting not only you know, has the sense of not eating, true fasting involves giving away the food we would have eaten. Or it's equivalent. We, the equivalent is called almsgiving, which goes to help the poor. This passage is filled with if-then. If you do this, then this will happen. Now, it isn't the, like, sometimes go through and, you know, in the pews, somebody has put out what I call the magic prayers, you know, the prayers never known to fail. You know, if you say this prayer three times a day for nine days, you know, what you're praying for will happen. Well, it sounds kind of like if, if I do this magic formula, it's going to make God do something. We can't make God do anything. We can ask God to do things. But if then, and in the then part of this, it's not that God is waiting for us to do something before God will answer our prayers. No, it's the, if we do these things, then the consequence is these good things happening. Regarding fasting, and, and Isaiah says, share your bread with the hungry. That's a fast, to share our bread with the hungry. But then he goes on and talks about fasting in other words. Shelter the oppressed and the homeless. Clothe the naked when you see them. Do not turn your back on your own. Then your light will shine. In other words, let's let people see our faith in action. That's so important that we see faith in action. Faith is not something we have. Faith is not something we profess. Faith is ultimately an action we do in response to God doing something for us. God has done something. And true faith motivates us, doesn't require us, but motivates us to do something in return. It's active. It's not a passive thing. It's not, it's not something we merely possess. And Isaiah is, is trying to get people back to that sense that when we fast, when we give something up, it's not a give up, it's a give away, really, to give it up permanently, that it has wonderful benefits for ourselves because it makes us more mindful of what God has done for us. If it's truly challenging and a little bit of a painful, not necessarily physically painful, but just it's just so hard to do, it, you know, it stretches us. Well, the whole notion is, is that it helps us look at that crucifix with honesty, with purity of heart. That I can look at that crucifix and say, Jesus, I can't do what you did, but I'm really trying to do my part in offering penance, fasting, for, as a reparation for sin. 
as making up for the sinfulness, not only of myself, but for others. True fasting helps us, but true fasting does more for others than it does for us. And that's the part that we, we tend to forget, that if our fasting doesn't do good for other people, why did we do it? Why did we do it? You know, there is for us and for others. So yeah, it may do a little bit for us. But Isaiah is reminding us very clearly that we're called in our fast to share your bread with the hungry, to give your bread away for the hungry, to shelter the oppressed and the homeless. But then Isaiah goes on to speak to current events that things aren't easy when the exiles return to Jerusalem. The temple hasn't been rebuilt yet. The walls haven't been rebuilt. There's not really a government in place. A lot of disorder. And people are complaining bitterly about how things aren't happening to the way they think things should be happening. That, that the government's not being formed in accord with their way of thinking that the leaders aren't acting right in accord to their way of thinking. And I have to say this over and over because I get emails. This isn't political. <laughs> I don't do politics from the altar. But sometimes I do look at our current events and kind of offer as an example, try very carefully not to identify anything with a particular party. But I still get emails Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday telling me I need to quit need to leave my liberal ways in my office and not bring them to the pulpit. I want to tell you, here's the secret. I am so middle of the road, I am boring. But Isaiah hears the people complaining about their government, or almost lack thereof, their leaders, and he begins to see in their complaining, their anger ratchets up. And they begin saying things that aren't true. You know, and, and all of us, if our anger takes over, we end up saying things that aren't true. We end up saying things we regret because our anger is taking over. And he sees them doing this, not unlike what we see in our own nation. They want to be a light to the nations. And some of them, they're not getting the spiritual side of that. Some of them just want to be a powerful nation that other nations have to bow to. You know, that's kind of what they want. But again, they're having to teach them how to be a nation again. But what do we do to make ourselves what we want to be? And it's if you remove from your midst oppression, false accusation, and malicious speech, if you bestow your bread on the hungry, and if you satisfy the afflicted, then, then, a light will arise in the darkness, and the gloom shall become for you like midday. Basically, he's saying if you want things to get better, quit looking to other people to make it better. You make it better. You make it better by your fasting. Fast from oppression. Now, we, none of us really view ourselves as oppressors, but really and truly we do oppress sometimes. We put people down. We hold people down. We get in people's way of advancement by sometimes what we do, sometimes what we say. False accusation. 
You know, we may not think we're telling outright lies, but we're gossiping nonetheless. And Isaiah is saying, fast from gossip. Fast from false accusation. Fast from lying. Malicious speech. You know, quit saying bad things about other people. Even if they're true. Even if they're true. Quit saying it. Everybody knows. They don't need us to say what they already know. But if we want, if we want the country we want, if we want the civilization we want, if we really want to be a light to the nations, if we want to be that lampstand set on, you know, set so that people can see our light, if that's what we want, then we must fast from oppression, false accusation, malicious speech. As we get ready for our Lent, we really do need to ponder, we can put it this way, what am I going to give up for Lent? Is giving up chocolate going to help the poor? No, it's going to probably not do all that much. I don't need enough chocolate to make a a difference. My mother would always say, what are you going to give up for Lent, Eddie? And I would say, I'm giving up peas. (laughs) (laughs) What can we give up that's going to make the lives of others better.